All right. Testing, testing, testing. Uh, I think we're we're good now. Uh, if it's Sunday, uh, about thirty minutes from the new year, then it's it's the FM podcast, and of course it's a solo show. It's your boy B Dub coming to you live, uh, doing the Dolo show. Uh, no Branson, no Kelly Joe, no Buddha. I'm just checking the sound now because I like to hear it live. Just making sure uh, everything is going as planned. This is a one-man operation. Be a little patient with the brother. Uh, everything is going as planned. Awesome. So now, now we're good. Okay. So now I, I feel a little better. I guess uh, the technical difficulties, there must be some sort of short in the microphone cord connecting to my computer. And so I, for some reason, was getting a lot of static. And I had to jiggle the cord and do all this weird shit in order for it to connect. And just looking at the meter, uh, it looks okay at the moment. So if, if the shit goes in and out, it's probably because I accidentally kicked a wire or something, moved something. I should have prepared for that. I should have went on Amazon and got a new cord. I don't know if you remember my setup from last week because it was just straight raw. Uh, after watching it, I was just like, yo, uh, I need a laptop stand because y'all was looking up at my, at my nostrils. Uh, kind of like this, the whole show. And I wanted to stand so we could see eye level. And I got one. So that's where we're at. It's almost 2024, y'all. We got about 20 minutes left. I got my uh, my brown liquor. This is pretty good. I've been on this sobriety lifestyle since I've left uh, North Carolina. I'm in Maryland for the holidays, Christmas, and New Year's. A lot of family business to handle, hence me staying in Maryland for so long. I wish I could have been in uh, NC uh, for New Year's, but family business first everything else second so hey it's the effing pod i don't know who's watching at the moment the bandwidth is so bad in the basement you can't risk having a bunch of other items that are uh streaming shit because then it'll eat into your bandwidth and then you'll get a pretty shitty show hold on I'm trying to play it smooth, sipping this liquor, but that shit is burning my fucking throat, and I'm trying to play it off like that shit doesn't burn, and it's burning my chest right now, and I'm trying to be cool. But hey, y'all ready for the new year? I hope so. I, I don't really get into all the, the new year, new me shit. I, I've, I've always been against resolutions for the past couple of years. I think I went on my rant against New Year's resolutions last week. Uh, but if you missed that, I'm just not a proponent or a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I feel if you are true to your convictions, you shouldn't wait till January 1st to make whatever changes you're going to make. For instance, there's probably some guy in November who was smoking cigarettes and he says, I'm going to quit for the new year. He smokes in November. He smokes for Thanksgiving. He smokes December 1st. He smokes December 15th. He smokes on Christmas. And now he's got a cigarette in his hand smoking right now talking about he's going to quit once July 1st or January 1st hits. 
and you know he's full of shit. First of all, he announced it probably to make himself feel good or to convince himself. I'm one of those people, if you really want to make a change, don't tell people and just do the change and wait till people notice it. Uh, I'm not a big proponent in announcing shit before you do it because it just seems like there's too many attention whores out here who just want to say stuff to get attention and not actually follow through. So um, I'm a person who believes just do you. Uh, and if you are strong in your convictions and you're doing shit, people will notice. Uh, you know, with that being said, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I did uh, plan as a New Year's resolution last year to follow in January uh, to follow in the year of 2023. One I've already revealed to you, and that was to not argue with strange women on the internet, and that has saved me so much stress and energy. I no longer feel like I have to debate people uh, because I'm smarter than them. I realized I'm already smarter than them. There's no sense in getting that debate, especially if they're not here to learn and they're here to argue. So with that being said, I stuck with this New Year's resolution uh, the whole year. I really haven't argued. I might make a case and reply just to double down on my stance. But after that, if they want to continue talking, I just ignore it and let it go. But my second resolution was to lose. <clears throat> hold on, hold on. My second resolution was to lose weight. And I think I've been doing pretty good for that. Uh, let's see. What am I? I haven't weighed myself this week. Uh, I just determined how much weight I lost by looking at my face. And if you go to a, a, a FM podcast episode in January of 2023 and you compare and contrast it to this episode, you'll see a lot less cheeks. His face is getting a little thinner. So, yeah, I'm on my weight loss goals. I don't like to call it a weight loss journey. That just seems so bitch made. It's like it's not a journey. I'm just eating less, exercising more. That's that's it. It's not a crusade. It's just being cautious of your health. Um, I haven't really set any uh, new plans for 2024. Shout out to my nigga Kingpin and shout out to my nigga Delph. Uh, they both put some bugs in my ear uh, about some projects I need to work on coming up in this year. I will say I do got some shit planned. But this shit was planned a couple months before, so it's not necessarily a New Year's resolution. It's just me trying to get shit done. I do have two end goals. I do need a house in carry or Apex. I'm bougie as fuck, bro. Everybody's been buying houses, like all my friends, and they're like going to the outskirts of Wake County and Johnston County. And, you know, they're getting houses that are cheaper, but they're, like, far away from the city of Raleigh. So they're, like, 45 to 60 minutes. And I'm just like, I don't want that. My idea of success is not owning a house. It's owning a house in a nice location that I want to own a house. Because I could buy a house now if I wanted to. I just don't want the houses that are available at my price range. So we're going to work on that. The goal is called a mansion and carry. But uh, besides that, I want to get into the topics. Uh, I'm not sure what everybody's doing for New Year's. I'm just chilling in the house. Uh, I'm in my 40s, so this is normally uh, the normal expectation. 
if I was in North Carolina, I would probably be at a party. I might be hanging with the homies. We might just do a live broadcast from from the uh, regular spot if I was in North Carolina. But we're not in North Carolina, are we? Uh, so it's the effing pod. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of get into, uh, I know the color purple, the musical came out and it's been just this weird thing since it came out, I guess on Christmas day, because people have been asking me, so have you seen the new color purple? And I'm just like, I haven't seen the old color purple. You know, the color purple is not a movie I really like. I don't fuck with that movie. You know, uh, it, it was just always, even when it came out in the 80s, and I remember my grandma renting it and turning it into this affair of, uh, you know, all the black women in my family sitting around watching it. And, you know, even back then, all the, all the men in our family were just like, Ugh, y'all watch this old hater nigga movie, and we going downstairs to drink beer and watch football. Um, I'm not a fan of The Color Purple. You know, I, I, it's not a movie I've seen in full. That's one of those movies when it pops up on TNT or something and you're flipping channels. You may sit there and watch it for a couple minutes until uh, your program is back on from commercial break. Uh, that's one of those type of movies where you know all the scenes from the movies and all the interesting quotes and shit. But you've never seen the full movie. Like, I don't know how it comes on, uh, you know, in the intro. So, like, when the movie first comes on in the credits, I've never seen that part. I don't really care about the color purple because, you know, Alice Walker, the writer, she was one of those black feminists that hate niggas. And I've just never been a huge fan of uh, the color purple because of that. And, uh, you know, it's always been some hate nigga shit. You know, it's one of those little, it's like torture porn for women. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those, one of those movies where, where women can bask in all the hurt that's been put on them. And, you know, it's one of those corny movies where the, where the black men are always evil. And Alice Walker did that on purpose so she could justify marrying a white dude and shitting on niggas. So it's always been that anti-black male movie. I've never really been interested in watching it like that. But from my understanding, this new one is a musical. And I think there was a Color Purple musical on Broadway. And I've always found that weird. How can you take a movie like the color purple and then put a bunch of songs around it because it's like tragic what if they do that to precious i could see them doing that they're going to take precious and put it on broadway and you know make that a musical too and how do you make these terrible movies like where all this tragedy how do you turn them into musicals with songs and dance numbers and shit you know that scene where Whoopi puts her fingers up and is like, everything you do. How do you turn that into a song? You know, it's weird. You know, show is ugly. Dun, 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 dun. Show is ugly. I don't know how you turn that into a musical. I, but they're going to do it. You know why? Because they revel in the uh, torture, the torture porn for sisters. You know, they love those movies. Uh, hey, I'm getting a lot of texts. Um, people are, shout out to my nigga Delph, uh, showing love. Uh, he sent me the Happy New Year text. What up, bro? I text you back, but it's better for me to say it live. Happy New Year, bro. We out here about to make big moves in 2024, and the motherfuckers ain't ready. They don't know what's about to happen. But uh, shout out to Delph. 
uh and all the homies that are going to be texting me throughout the live stream i'm not going to be talking to y'all till this shit ends so uh happy new year in advance to everybody watching uh but back to the torture porn that is uh precious they're going to turn precious into a musical on broadway watch i guarantee you in the next 10 to 20 years they're going to see how much money this color purple made hey it's fun taking black women's pain and turning it into song and dance numbers so all the evil movies uh you know involving sisters are probably going to turn those into big budget musicals and i want to know what kind of songs can you put with precious the musical because that's going to be a big one there's going to be a song and dance number in that scene where she steals the bucket of chicken it's mine it's mine i'm fine take chicken uh, I don't know a song you can do about fried chicken that's not going to be stereotypical coon shit. Yeah, you know, but be prepared for Precious and Musical. I'm telling you, it's going to come. Any tragic movie that involves black women pain, watch, they're going to revive the women of Brewster Place. They're going to turn that shit into a, a musical. And I don't even remember what that movie was about. I just remember Claire Huxtable was in it, and it was like the... The, the female black celebrity all-star uh, cast movie, and they're probably going to turn that into a musical. They're going to turn all the shit black women loved uh, book-wise, movie-wise. There's going to be a Waiting to Exhale musical coming soon because that's how Hollywood is. They like to capitalize on bullshit. And uh, there's going to be uh, the Waiting to Exhale musical uh, they'll bring the St How Stella Got Her Groove Back musical. I don't even know what songs you can put around that. Uh, but watch. They're, they're just going to they're gonna capitalize off this because that's what Hollywood does. You're going to see Precious on Broadway, Waiting to Exhale on Broadway, Stella Got Her Groove Back on Broadway. Uh, what, what other movies? I don't know. But uh, be prepared for uh, more tragic black woman porn uh, music song dance movies and it's it's going to be pretty bad uh but we are nine minutes away from the new year and i haven't even really gotten into the topics i just had to vent on the color purple and fellas don't 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 have people brainwashing you into believing that the color purple is a required black movie watcher in order for you to maintain your black card you know how you got certain movies where you go if a nigga ain't seen it you question their blackness like, nigga, you ain't seen Minister Society? Uh, nigga, you ain't seen Boys in the Hood? Uh, nigga, you ain't seen Juice? Ah, man, we got to question your black. You haven't seen School Days or Do the Right? Yeah, I wouldn't put Color Purple in that required black movie watching. But anyway, it's been a lot going on. Um, I know there's something buzzing on the Internet right now uh, between 50 Cent and John Legend. So basically yesterday... Uh, John Legend's 45th birthday was happening and 50 Cent showed up and made a surprise appearance, I guess, and he performed 21 questions and the day was going pretty smooth. And then John Legend decided to hop on the stage and he decided to sing all of Nate Dogg's parts on the hook. And nigga, there are certain songs that people shouldn't do because it completely changes the vibe to everything. And that's one of them. John Legend got up there and he turned 21 questions into like a Negro spiritual. 
if you heard it, he was on some weirdo shit. Like, girl, would you love me if I was down? You know how John, he does that? That's how he sings. I don't, I've never been a huge John Legend fan. He's always reminded me of one of them uh, Broadway niggas. You know, but anyway, uh, it was pretty funny to me because it's just one of those songs that just he completely sucked the soul out of it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't good at all. Uh, I don't know if that's a good choice of words to use with John Legend. You know, suck the soul. Yeah. I was watching that T.D. Jakes clip. Have you ever been swallowed? Yeah. But um, yeah, I wouldn't use that type of uh, shit with him. Hey. I'm getting lit. I'm getting super lit. This is some Remy Martin. (laughs) Some Remy Martin in my cup. I was about to bring up uh, the Remy Ma uh, Papu shit. And then I just realized I I don't really give a fuck. You know, I I hate to say this, but back when I heard about Papoose going to uh, jail to visit her, yeah, and she was saying it was an everyday thing. I said, I, I know this ain't going to last. That's, that's just, I don't know. There's just something about going to a prison to see a lady that just, it's not going to last. You know, it just has that I'm not going to last feeling to it. Yeah, I got to go see my shorty. I, yeah, I'm going to the uh, county, you know, see my shorty. Yeah, that don't. Fellas. Ne- never go to jail to see a lady she wouldn't go to jail to see you she she'd just be like fucking somebody else so I, I knew something was up with that and you know shout out to papoose you know i i hope they're i don't know what to say about that shit i'm gonna be honest because on one hand you you kind of look at papoose and remy as an example of black love but then again you realize you wouldn't fuck with a woman in prison so you know it's a tough road to hoe. I don't know. Um. Anyway, uh, there was a, a big uh, topic that uh, Branson asked me to cover. Uh, it's been going on for two weeks, um, and that's why I really didn't cover it. Me, I like to get opinions on new shit and get it out there before a thousand other people cover it. But uh, I got to touch on this Umar Johnson uh, Eminem thing because there's been a lot I wanted to say about it that I just really haven't heard uh other people touch on you know some of the topics in regards to it but umar johnson was on the joe budden podcast uh somehow some way he said eminem could never be the goat uh because uh he's white and you can't anoint somebody outside of the culture as the king of the culture to which i agree with umar and since then a whole lot of Niggas came. Yo, I heard Ed Lover today defending Eminem, and it's just weird. It's always weird to see a bunch of niggas come out the woodworks to defend Eminem. And, and for the record, I, I was a huge Eminem fan in the late 90s. I had my underground backpacker face. Okay, here's what happened. After Biggie died and Puffy uh, took over with the shiny suit era, I was kind of pissed off with hip-hop. Uh, to me, I wasn't big on shiny suits and crystal and all the fancy shit they were talking about because i was in high school i couldn't relate to any of that i couldn't relate to being fly and having all this money and doing all this uh partying and shit i was like 16 17 when all this was going on so i couldn't relate to popping bottles in the club i couldn't relate to 
pushing fly whips and shit like that because it was just not at my level uh, so 97 98 i started getting into underground hip-hop because of the internet we had aol so i started going online i started discovering underground hip-hop websites like hip-hop infinity ugh sandbox automatic i became a backpacker okay i was an underground hip-hop backpacker nerd and i'm not ashamed of it because real talk there was a lot of dope underground hip-hop independent music in the late 90s early 2000s and a lot of people missed out on it trying to front like they was hanging with puffy and having money and shit see i was a real nigga back in the day i knew i'm not a gangster i'm not a fly nigga i just want to hear music that i relate to i remember tribe called quest and listening to that music feeling like i could hang with q-tip and fife uh, you know, I remember looking at Puffy and the bad boy version of the locks and Mace and all them. And I was just like, I can't hang with these type of niggas. They, they just too, you know, they, it, the suits and everything. And now 20 plus years later, I'm kind of glad I had that mentality with all this crazy shit happening regarding Puff. So I got into underground hip hop. I was the backpacker. Uh, hieroglyphics, raucous, company flow, black star, the roots. Uh, what else was popping? Lyricist lounge, uh, sound bombing, uh, you know, just anything. Atmosphere, the rhyme sayers camp, and all that shit. I, w I was into all that nerd shit. And you know what? It was some good music. And at the same time, it was music I could relate to. As a black kid from the suburbs, I didn't feel like I needed to pack a gun or be somebody I wasn't. I found artists I could relate to, and I loved that moment. And that's how I found Eminem. Uh, he was on one of the websites. His music was there. Uh, Real player, you know, that ruled the late 90s. So I remember getting put on to a lot of dope artists, and, and Eminem was one of them. I was a huge fan. And then a year later, he signed with Dr. Dre. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Bought the Slim Shady EP, had the uh, uh, Slim Shady LP when he released on uh, Aftermath. And then, okay, people stop. Hold on. Let me, let me mute the phone. I love y'all. I'm just, it, it breaks my concentration. Um, okay, so yeah, I, I, I had the uh, Eminem LP. I also had the Marshall Mathers uh, LP, which I think was Eminem's best album. And then after that, the Eminem show, I didn't really like it. Encore, I didn't even fuck with it. And I'm going to be honest. For the past 20 years, Eminem has released bullshit. And that's how I've always felt about Eminem. I, I liked his music at first. I was a huge fan of his freestyles and all the shit, the underground shit he did. But then when he went mainstream, a lot of his music was silly. And it was more geared towards, you know, preteen white kids than, you know, his original fan base. And... I'm not mad at him making money. I just don't. But that's just the backstory on Eminem. I, I don't want to come off as like a hater or anything because I was a huge fan. And I don't want the people who remember me in high school bumping Eminem and being a huge fan. Oh, you used to be a huge fan. I acknowledge that. But uh, back to Umar Johnson on the Joe Budden podcast. I think the fact that we would even bring Eminem up in, as a goat confirms the amount of white supremacy in hip-hop because eminem's discography by no means at all makes him a goat this dude like i said has not dropped a dope album in over 20 something years 
and he's not really made a song that was his that I really felt in about 20 years. You know, he, he's dropped a verse here and there on a guest appearance or something. Well, yeah, that's dope. But that's been my mentality towards Eminem. I just find it funny that we would even bring his name up as a goat when his discography itself is just not. Let's talk about the, the, the contenders for goats. Rock him. KRS-One, Jay-Z, Nas, I'll even go Black Thought from The Roots. Uh, who else would be in that upper echelon of rappers? Um, I'm trying to think of some rappers who we can LL, you know? Uh, if you look at the discographies of all the people I mentioned, uh, Scarface, also, you know, Scarface, uh, Ice Cube, who else? Uh, fucking, I'm, I'm just going through, I'm going regions, Common, you know, Common's, I wouldn't put him in the GOAT, he's my personal favorite rapper of all time, Common, uh, I wouldn't say he's the GOAT or in the GOAT conversation, but I mean, all these people's discographies, Redman, Eric Sermon, you know, I'm just naming names, all these discographies are a thousand times better than Eminem's. The fact that we would even bring his name into the discussion kind of lets you know how white supremacy is kind of pushed it in there. I acknowledge the fact that Eminem is a skilled MC, and to his credit, I do feel he did grow up in the culture. I don't really see him as a culture vulture. He was there, he lived it. Lots and lots of black folks have co-signed him. But the one thing I'm not cool with is all these niggas who jump out the woodworks all the time to defend him. You know, because we don't get that same leeway when we try to venture into other genres of music. The, the example I would use is Little Nas X. You remember back when Old Town Road came out and we thought he was a heterosexual? Well, there was a point where he wanted to perform Old Town Road at the CMAs, the Country Music Awards. And they meant they minced no words about it. They were just like, little Nas X cannot perform here because he's not country enough to, uh, you know, perform at our shit. And so, you know, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus came in and did the little remix with him to try and make it more countrified, you know, which is the equivalent to a black rapper hopping on an Eminem song to add more credibility to it. But even with that going on, they were still like, nah, your black ass can't perform at the CMAs. And they're very protective of their culture. And here we are trying to anoint a goat to somebody whose discography has been pretty whack for the past 20 years. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like the energy isn't the same. We're trying to fucking give this nigga our entire culture. And here's the fucked up thing about country music. Black people started country music. You know, I, I could get into the history because I did read it before I started seeing this. I'm not just one of those niggas that say, oh, black people started shit. No, I read the history on country music. Basically, I'll break it down. I'll give you a little mini history lesson. Okay, the banjo is like the basis of country music. It is the equivalent of the turntable to hip hop. Black people played the banjo in the 1800s. It was an exclusive black person instrument. 
Then white people started doing minstrel shows where they would smother their face in shoe polish and do the exaggerated features to mock black people. Well, another way you mock black people is to take the instruments they use, which was the banjo. So white people started playing the banjo to mock black people. White people started playing the banjo and that was kind of the roots of where country music came from, but it was called hillbilly music. It was officially called country music in the 1920s because they found the word hillbilly music too offensive. And really country music started in the 1920s. And you know, like I said, it was really started based off of mocking black people. So we have had a major influence on what country music is and they've made it a point to keep us out of it. And to be fair, nobody black is really pressed over trying to get into country music. I also read there were only three black people in the Country Hall of Fame. So country music's been around for well over 100 years. And there's only three black people in there. One of them's Ray Charles. Uh, and the other's Charlie Pride. Oh, I don't know who the third one is, so you got to Google that shit. But the point I'm trying to make is they work very hard to keep our asses out of their culture. But we work very hard to bring them into our culture. Eminem doesn't need defending. He's the richest. Uh, no, he's the uh, most sold. Uh, he's the rapper with the most sales of all time. You know, uh, with that being said, I don't really understand why everybody comes out the woodworks uh, to defend him. He's not somebody who necessarily needs to be defended. And to be perfectly honest with you, one of the reasons why people get at Eminem so hard is because of the accolades and the lack of credible music. Because you look at other white artists and they release good shit. I mean, you look at Robin Thicke. Um, he's dropped some music we can play at the barbecue. You know, we, we be bumping Lost Without You. And that joint he did with uh, Faith Evans, you know, and John B., you know, we, we bumped John B. We fucked with John B. We fucked with Tina Marie. This has never been about uh, not letting white people do their thing. It's always been that way. If you come into this shit and you rep it and you release good music, we support you. It's always been that way. And the beef with Eminem is you come into this game. You know, you dropped a couple hits. I ain't going to sit here and say you never dropped hot shit, but... Most of your music is not relatable to your black fans. You know, a lot of black people don't want to hear that rabbity rap, 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 miracle, lyrical shit. I know I used to enjoy it, but now I realize, man, I can enjoy it and appreciate it on one or two songs. But if you got a whole album with lyrical, miracle, spiritual, it makes me realize you don't really have anything to say. And that takes away from it. But I don't have a problem with Eminem being in hip-hop. I have a problem with people trying to even bring him into the GOAT discussion. Keep in mind, we created rock and roll. And uh, Elvis is considered the king of the music we created. Now, black people such as me and, you know, people that have lived this and seen Eminem, we're not going to be around forever. We're not going to be around forever to tell the truth. And that's another issue I kind of have with this Eminem goat thing. 100 years from now, 120 years from now, the, the story of Eminem is going to change. You know what I'm saying? We as black people, we know where he is in hip hop. But you know what white folks do. 100, 120 years from now when we're all dead and stinking and there's nobody to tell the real story you know what they're going to do. Eminem's a pioneer of hip-hop. 
he brought so much stuff, blah, blah, blah. He's the king of rap. You know that's what they're going to do. He's the king of rap, just like Elvis was the king of rock. And, 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 and to be fair, this is not Eminem's fault. I'm not going to sit here and blame Eminem and say, oh, Eminem, you're the reason all this is going down. Because it's not Eminem's fault. If it were Eminem's fault, uh, you know, if, I'm pretty sure if it were up to Eminem, he would probably, you know, find a way to say the truth like hey this is who i was this is who influenced me but you know how white folks go they're gonna throw that away and just crown him the king of hip-hop the greatest to do it he's a founder a pioneer of this genre uh you know he gave birth and light to so many hip-hop artists and then all the artists that influenced him they're gonna flip the script and say he influenced those art you know how they do so that's always been kind of my issue. And to be fair, like I've mentioned before, this is beyond Eminem. This is not something he can do or say to like end it. This is, this is a system in effect that constantly downplays the contributions of African-Americans and upplays uh, the contributions from non-African-Americans. So I, I tend to agree with Umar, but like I said, it's just weird that we would even bring his name into the GOAT discussion. I don't question his skills. I don't question his talent. I know he can rap. Uh, his production sucks, you know. He's not a good producer. Uh, but, you know, I I give him props for him being who he is and just representing. But, yeah, I, I would never in a million years consider him the GOAT of anything. I don't even think he's the best white rapper, to be honest. Uh, who who else do I like over over Eminem? I'd I, I throw in R.A., the rugged man, uh, Paul Wall. Uh, who else? Uh, Milbone. Whatever happened to Milkbone? He dropped that one album, Stay Real, or that one song, Keep It Real, or Stay Real. I forgot what it was. And we've never heard him again. But yeah, I like them too. Uh, LP, he's cool. You know, I'm just, I'm at a point now where I've just been disappointed in him, and I've expected so much more from him, and he's constantly uh, kind of let me down on a personal level. But it is what it is. Uh, you know, um, let's talk about some other shit that's been going on. Okay, some major shit hit the news right when I was going live uh, regarding Bill Clinton. I don't know how true this is, but uh, it was just revealed like an hour or two ago that Bill Clinton is, unma is to be unmasked as Doe, John Doe 36, uh, and identified more than 50 times in the uh, Jeffrey Epstein I guess, documentary dump. So what they're trying to say is Bill Clinton was one of those people on uh, Jeffrey Epstein's list uh, in regards to who is on his island. So what they're trying to insinuate is that Bill Clinton uh, may have been, uh, you know, uh, on his pedo. I See, this is the thing that hits me about these lives and these algorithms. There are certain words I can't say and I have to, like, use substitute words like grape. But nobody ever told me what the substitute word was for, um, you know, I guess P-E-D-O's. I don't even know if I can say the word. I don't know if there's, like, a, a code name I can use. But what they're basically trying to imply is that Bill Clinton was on this island 
messing with minors and uh, some freaky stuff happening. Uh, so basically it's saying that the uh, former president is to be unmasked as Doe 36 and identified more than 50 times in Jeffrey Epstein's doc, doc dump. So uh, Bill Clinton will be named John Doe 36 in the Trova court documents related to the late pedo Jeffrey Epstein. And they're going to be released uh, this week. So he's mentioned 50 times across redacted documents related to a 2015 lawsuit uh, from uh, one of Epstein's accusers. Uh, they believe many of the references to Clinton stem from uh, attempts to compel the former president to testify against Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. So basically they got a lot of dirt on Clinton. And the weird thing is nobody's surprised. You know, uh, Bill Clinton has always came across as a degenerate. He, he's gotten a uh, dome in the White House, you know, and let me stop acting like that's terrible. <laughs> when it really happened, we, we had jokes for days about that shit, but um, it doesn't surprise me uh, whatever happened, because actually at the moment, as I'm reading this, nothing has actually came out. It's just, I guess they're trying to insinuate Bill Clinton did something uh because his name is mentioned in there and i think bill clinton may have done something i don't know that's the cool part but you know he he's a perv so uh in my honest opinion uh i'm not surprised at this uh degeneracy has long been associated with bill clinton for a long time and nobody likes his wife so uh, we're going to see how this kind of breaks. I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to play out myself. I'm curious to see if uh, Bill Clinton is going to end up getting locked up. And uh, I wouldn't even be mad at that at all. Uh, I don't hate Bill Clinton or anything, but a, a lot of the people we looked up to in the 90s are, are just letting us down. You know, like Bill Clinton and Eminem. Uh, but anyway... We're going to see what happens as more of that develops. Uh, but continuing along, uh, there, there's been some issues going on with Kevin Hart. Uh, I know people have been familiar with this. Kevin Hart, uh, Kevin Hart is suing uh, Tasha Kay and his former assistant over an alleged extortion attempt. So basically, Kevin Hart is suing Tasha Kay. Uh, Tasha Kay basically had Kevin's uh, ex-assistant on her show. And uh, she interviewed him and uh, the assistant spilled a lot of dirt on Kevin. And so what Tasha Kay did was record the interview, but she didn't post it on the Internet. She got in touch with Kevin Hart's people and said, hey, I got this interview of your ex-assistant dishing dirt on you. Uh, pay me 250000 and I can make this interview go away. And so after that, Kevin Hart was like, bitch i don't know if he said bitch but uh i can't do a, a kevin hart imitation so i kind of disappoints me i can't like imitate what he was saying but anyway kevin um got that information and he said you you know i guess he reached out to the police after that because that is extortion you can't uh interview somebody and then threaten to uh ruin his reputation unless he pays you 250k that's wrong. Um, so the actor refused to pay. He contacted law enforcement. He got a cease and desist. Uh, but uh, Kevin's lawyers warned her that any damages she's forced to pay as a result of, alleged, uh, of her, uh, 
her alleged uh, misconduct won't be dischargeable in the bankruptcy. So basically what they're saying is if Kevin uh, ends up suing her, uh, the fact that she declared bankruptcy won't protect her in this case. She'll still be on the hook for what, any uh, money she owes Kevin Hart. Uh, I got to say, Tasha Kay is playing a very dangerous game. I think what happened was she saw how Wendy Williams came up and decided to go the messy route with Wendy Williams and like Wendy Williams. And the thing about Wendy Williams is, uh, you know, Wendy Williams to me was a messy journalist. But the thing about Wendy Williams was she was schooled in the background of journalism. So no matter how messy Wendy Williams may have got, no matter how many fake rumors and things like that. You know, she still had a journalist background and was able to abide by the code and integrity of journalism while spilling rumors and dishing secrets on famous people. So Wendy Williams was able to walk that fine line without really getting to, into the trouble Tasha Kay has just because she knew about journalistic ethics. And of course, she was pushing boundaries. But Tasha Kay does not have a journalistic background. Tasha Kay is just somebody who decided to get on the internet and make up shit. And now she has a following because of that. So she doesn't have that journalistic background nor the integrity of a journalist. She's just somebody who found she could get an audience and money by making up completely false statements about famous people. And that's why you're seeing her being brought down now. She's not walking the line Wendy Williams walked. She's doing some habitual shit where she's stepping over the line. And that's why she keeps getting sued. And let this be a message to a lot of you people doing blogs, myself included. You can't just go out there and put fake shit out. And, uh, you know, that's how she got into fame. And as you see, as her name got bigger, the stakes got bigger and the people that she interviewed and went at got bigger, too. And this is what happens. This is a huge clusterfuck. Uh, for her because she's somebody who doesn't know really what she's doing she just found she could get attention doing some immoral shit and she keeps doing immoral shit and that's just not a way you can be in life you can't just keep making up shit because as you see she's getting put on the hook for millions and millions of dollars and when it's all said and done she's going to be more destroyed from spreading false rumors than she would have by never even entering this business and doing what she did. You can't keep playing with people like this. And as far as Kevin Hart's assistance goes, she's going to be on the hook, too, because she signed an NDA. You can't sign an NDA for your boss uh, and then spill the secrets. Uh, it looks like the NDA provided for her to be paid $90,000 over three years. So I assume if that's broken down evenly, she was getting 30000 for three years for not spilling Kevin Hart's secrets. I, I have a problem. This is just me. I have a problem with people taking hush money and not living up to their side. You know, that's something I've been seeing pop up in the past 10 years. A lot of actresses and people have been paid hush money to stay quiet. And they take the hush money and they still spill the beans. And to me, even if they are victims, if you agreed to stay silent for a certain amount of money, I lose respect for you for not keeping your end of the bargain. I don't care what you accepted the money for. In my honest opinion, 
you're just as immoral as the person who violated you if you're breaking this agreement if somebody for instance uh you know uh essayed you you know what SA is not san antonio if somebody essayed you uh and the the s you can figure out the a is for assault and you decide to take a hundred and twenty thousand from somebody just as hush money hey don't tell anybody i did this to you uh and you take that money uh i believe you are of low integrity if you violate that agreement you're the one who accepted it and uh if you didn't want to go to the police or anything and you decided to accept it i feel there's a problem with you if you renege on your word you know that's the point of hush money is to be quiet here's some money shut the fuck up you know you as a person uh should shut the fuck up because you accepted the money it's it's i you know the whole situation uh in a situation like that it's immoral it's immoral for somebody to do s assault to you uh but i also think it's immoral to take the money and not keep your word and nobody ever brings that up they just go oh she was a victim she was paid this amount of money and i go well if she was paid this amount of money why is she talking about it you know well she was violated i know she was compensated for her violation why is she talking you know it's just like it's an integrity thing nobody has integrity the person that violated you doesn't have integrity and i wouldn't co-sign them violating you but if you're gonna take the money then take the money and live up to what you said don't take the money and then still talk to me that's you're just as problematic as the individual and i'm sure some people will see a flaw in what i'm saying and uh you know you're you're free to disagree with me but uh one thing you will not see bw on is any case uh with sa involving me i'm at a point in life now where i know i'm about to be rich i know i'm about to be famous so i am keeping every single interaction uh between me and every woman that i meet on a romantic level because you never know people can lie and then it becomes your word against hers i can tell you for the record i'm somebody who i've always been the one who accepted no if you tell me no i'm not pushing the boundary any further because even 10 years ago i knew i could be a somebody and i don't want a bill cosby situation where some girl oh he did this and that if i make a move and it's not reciprocated i'm not making a second move in fact you know what i've done this is some fucked up shit i done tried to get a girl to uh you know see if she was down and when she wasn't i just kicked her out the house so i could jerk off I'm like yo this nut is coming out some way and if you're not going to be here to help then i don't really think you want to witness this you need to go home uh that's just me <laughs> but anyway speaking of sa there's some more cases involved uh there's a woman suing jermaine ja uh jermaine jackson alleged uh alleging he did sa to her in 1988 1988 1988 come on man in the spring of 1988 so you know here we go with another situation you know and and it's all because of this uh los angeles superior courts uh s 
Abuse and Cover Up Accountability Act. And that that's really pissing me off because now all these people are coming out the woodworks and as you see, it's all black men. You know, it's like they took down Harvey Weinstein just so they could take down black men. You know, they were like, hey, we sacrifice one and we can get about 20 niggas. So basically, a suit was filed Wednesday in Los Angeles Superior Court. Uh, and basically, under the act, suits can be filed through December 30th. 2000. Oh, shit. Hey, y'all thirsty bitches just missed the mark by... 25 minutes no more essay cases for uh black men if you miss the mark you miss the mark uh but anyway so what they're trying to say is uh a woman rita butler barrett claimed in a suit that she knew jackson through her husband uh her husband's personal and business relationship with barry gordy who is of course the founder of motown records we all know barry gordy he's brought wonderful things to us uh the jackson five uh who else stevie we know motown i don't need to go through that anyway uh what they're trying to say is in the spring of 88 jermaine allegedly forced himself into uh, butler's home and with force and violence uh s assaulted her uh barrett's complaint claims she feared for her life uh during the attack and jackson left after the assault um, you know, with Jermaine Jackson, you, you kind of ask, well, did you go to the, uh, to the police and get a kit done? And it's Jermaine Jackson. So you don't need a kit if he actually graped you. Uh, Jermaine was so greasy, you would be covered in grease. Um, but, uh, that was a joke. I don't know if you laughed. I don't know if grape is funny because the claim of it, but I tried to. Okay, it failed. Okay. Uh, basically, it looks like one day later she reported the assault to Gordy. He did nothing uh, to report it. Uh, he and other workers tried to cover up the assault, so they say. Um, this happened in 88, man. Did Jermaine Jackson do it? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in a position to say what Jermaine Jackson did or didn't do. I know he married his uh, brother's ex. And, uh, you know, he, he got a, a, a son-uncle a son relationship uh, with some of uh, hers and his kids. It's, it's, it's a big clusterfuck. So I don't know what the deal is with uh, this issue. But it's from 1988. It's from 1988. Okay, it's from, uh, what is that, 30, that Central, North Carolina Central Education. I'm counting the years on my fingers. That was tw 36 years ago. Uh, now 36 years ago. And uh, I, I really don't know how I feel. Well, I, I know how I feel. I'm just not trying to piss. Man, fuck pissing. It's a new year. Okay. I think this is bullshit. I'm not saying what happened did or didn't happen. I just think the way it was handled is bullshit. Again, if somebody did something, go to the police. Get justice. Uh, I'm just not with the whole, 
you hurt me instead of sending you to jail you owe me some money i'm just not with that take take these grapists off the street if they're really grapists and uh that's how i feel about that i'm really confused on whether to believe it or not i don't believe uh it's not see here's the thing i'm sure in the 80s lots of coke lots of crack lots of drugs shit happened i don't know what the shit was because in 1988 i was seven i don't know I don't know Jermaine Jackson personally. I don't know if, uh, you know, he's that type of guy. Because we all know, we all know. If, if, if somebody brought a lawsuit against one of my friends and made a claim of essay, I would know if they were the type, like, oh, yeah, that nigga did that shit. Or, nah, she bugging. You know, you know people personally. And, and, and even if they are your homies or relatives, you can support them publicly, but you know if they did that shit or not. And I don't know Jermaine Jackson. I don't know the situation. Uh, I'm just hoping uh, things like this. I just wish they would be handled a little better. Because it's, it's really hard for me to feel anything for somebody who's coming back after 36 years. Not to call you a criminal or to try to get you arrested or to seek justice. It's just to get some money. And, uh, you know, this is a cash grab. Um, so that's one of the things there. And another thing that's really pissing me off in relation to this, uh, all these people digging in the past for shit. That's what's going on. They're looking in the past. They're looking in the eighties, trying to find shit to be offended about. And, uh, it doesn't stop at Jermaine Jackson, R and B singers, uh, doesn't even stop at men uh we have mc light uh back in the news regarding a song she dropped in 1991 about being attracted to 17 year old boys uh so what was the song um on the cult uh so basically what was the name of mc light song see this song came out in 91 Oh, I was 10 years old. I wasn't listening to MC Light in 91. Not saying she wasn't dope or anything. I just wasn't on the light then. Uh, I found uh, Light out uh, maybe a little bit later. My joint from her was, uh, kick this one here for me and my DJ. Cha-cha-cha-cha. That's it. Uh, Well, anyway, there was a a song MC Light wrote about being attracted to a 17-year-old boy. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of the song uh, because I just want to know the song. It's called Too Young for What? She was 21 in 1991 when she released it and it was a song about her being attracted to a 17-year-old boy. And in the quote, it's, I'm into little boys that are about 17. That's what she said, end quote. Uh, Or I should have ended quote before I said end quote. Now it looks like I said that shit. Pause. Uh, but anyway, people are trying to, here's the problem I have. I have a problem with people born after 2000 trying to apply today's standards to songs that are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it when people apply their current moral standards in the present day 
to shit that happened 40 years ago. Because, A, y'all sound like bitches being outraged over shit that's, you know, twice your age. Like, you know, I'm sure there's some people in the 2000s right now that are going to go hear Eddie Murphy's Delirious and Raw and then try to be outraged over that. And they're going to be like, oh, my God. Uh, did you hear what Eddie Murphy said back in Delirious? Yes, we all heard it. And it was fucking hilarious. And we would have probably clowned you if you didn't hear it. That's just the sign of the times, okay? I don't like when people go back in time and try to be outraged over stuff. But as far as light goes, she was 21. The kid was 17. How do I say this without sounding creepy? That was a normal thing. Like, well, no, it really wasn't. Let's, let's be honest. If you were a 17-year-old boy smashing a 21-year-old chick, you were the fucking man. Let's, let's be honest. Look, remember Omar Epps' character in Juice? Omar Epps' character was, what, 17 years old? And he was smashing old girl from In Vogue? And she was supposed to be in the 20s divorcing from Frank, her old jealous-ass husband, looking like that nigga from The Whispers? Was that the nigga from The Whispers? I never looked and bothered to check the credits. But um, that, that, was, uh, that was normal, I guess. You know, I've heard so many stories of friends and dudes I knew who said they've lost their virginity to their babysitters or their mom's friends or older women in period and all that. And I'm just kind of like, damn, I've never, never had to deal with that growing up. And I know why. It's because I was just so unfuckable as a minor. <laughs> I'm about yo when I play this back I'm gonna like edit in like pictures of me at 13 and 14 years old you didn't want to give me the pussy older woman trust me uh, I couldn't grow facial hair it was a nasty sight you don't want to see me with facial hair ever since I grew a beard in college I have never shaved everything off I've always kept at least a mustache because I have mirrors. I don't want to see myself without facial hair. I don't want to go back to those teen years. No, 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 no. You know another thing that really pisses me off? Um, uh, uh, just about this whole thing. Uh, we're going to go back in time. There's a lot of inappropriate lyrics from the 80s, man. Uh, there were a lot of rappers talking about smashing underage girls, and I, I don't co-sign any of that shit, but, you know, it was in the past. And I'm not dismissing it because I understand that that's a very serious offense, but, you know, I remember being in high school. I remember being uh, 16, 17 years old, watching girls my age at the end of school, Hopping to older guys' whips. I remember um, my senior year when the, 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 the kids that graduated from the year before and went to college, they came back for, like, college break. You know that first college break you get, I want to say, in October uh, or November? It's before Thanksgiving. Uh, well, I remember all the – there were, like, five guys who graduated who came back to the high school and were just posted up after school trying to holler at – you know, they were 18 and 19 trying to holler at the 17, 16-year-old girls. Uh, 
I can't really sit here and pretend and act like they were out of line. They were 18, 19, trying to holler at 17, 18-year-old girls. They knew these girls. These girls probably weren't even looking at these guys until they came back. And uh, some of them, I guess, lost weight in college. And, oh, such and such is cute now because he lost a little. I remember hearing that. So this whole uh, young woman, older guy thing, older guy, or, you know, young woman, older guy, uh, young guy, older woman. It, it was just the 80s, you know. I'm not defending it, cause especially me. I was born in 81. I wasn't out there doing none of this shit. But I, I can't sit here and pretend to get outraged over shit that's damn near 40 years old. Uh, and to uh, the, the people getting outraged over shit like this, I'm not saying it's cool because I kind of I understand where you're coming from. I don't ever want to normalize and make it seem like it's cool uh, for the stuff that happening. But also at the same time, going back 40 plus years, almost 40, just to find lyrics to offend you. Oh, y'all are going to have fun because the 80s was just full of rappers pushing limits and boundaries and being inappropriate and improper. Uh, so you're going to have a lot of fun, uh, especially, hey, you know, even though we talked about him earlier, I think one of the funniest things I saw was the millennials trying to cancel Eminem for his lyrics in the late 90s. And, and that's just not happening. Uh, and another thing about these lyrics another reason we have a problem with it we don't want future generations telling us how to feel about our music you know i don't want somebody 20 you know i don't want somebody half my age telling me there's a problem with the music i grew up listening to that i enjoy uh you know i'm very much well aware uh, excuse me hold on as i mentioned earlier i've listened to a lot of underground hip-hop Trust me, there are independent rappers out here who have said some really off-the-wall shit. And, you know, because these guys weren't big time, because their records didn't sell a lot of units, you're never going to hear any controversy surrounding them. And I've heard some wild shit. I've heard rappers rap about mutilating people, you know, uh, graping people. Uh, you know, you, you, you name it, I've heard rappers bring it up. And uh, do I believe some of those rappers did it? No, I don't believe. Yeah, there are a few. You know, you got your your big lurches out there and people like that taking dust, eating their girlfriend's organs and stuff. So I'm not going to sit here and say rappers are entirely innocent. But what I will say is uh, a lot of rappers did that shit for shock value. Uh, did some of them do what they said involving underage? I believe that, too. I, I I believe that, um, but I just don't like the the outrage, the fake outrage. I don't like fake outrage from people who don't listen to our music, and they're trying to figure out a way to ruin our music for the people that enjoy it. Excuse me. Obviously, if uh, this was too problematic, the the next generation wouldn't have to worry about canceling anybody. We would have canceled them already. And we've done that to a couple rappers who stepped over the line and didn't take accountability for their lyrics. But uh, that's one issue I have. And another issue I have is, like I said, when they when they step out of music and come to uh, other other forms of media we had back in the 80s. I don't like people coming from Mary with children. That was one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. And I still to this day watch episodes whenever 
I see it on YouTube or if I'm scrolling channels and it pops up. I watch Married with Children and you see Al Bundy going on fat chicks like like he's me now. And uh, that type of stuff could never get play on TV right now. And that's kind of why I enjoy it a little more because it's just a moment in time that we can never have again uh, or at least on that level. And, you know, you can't go back in time and tell people how they should feel about certain sitcoms like that uh, or like uh, All in the Family and shit. You know, there was a lot of inappropriate language on that show that could never happen again. And that's the point of shows like that. There are moments in time. They kind of give you a reference of what was acceptable in pop culture during that time. Uh, You know, there's stuff then you could say on TV that you could never say now. Um, So I always tell the youth, you know, uh, enjoy what was came before you. But, you know. Don't ruin it. I don't mind people bringing up MC Light's records uh, and offensive lyrics that bother them. But don't you dare try to cancel MC Light or try to get her albums taken down because we don't play that shit either. Um, Speaking of female rappers, Cardi B has been in the news. Uh, I don't know if you've been seeing it this week, but Cardi has been snapping left and right on motherfuckers all week. She's been lashing out at fans who have uh, been insinuating that she and Offset were back together. And uh, I took a listen to a video of Cardi cursing out her fans, calling them stupid bitches, uh, saying a lot of negative shit. And you know what the funny part is? If this were any other rapper, I'd be like, yo, this is career suicide. You are just going off on your own fan base. But... I think that's the appeal of Cardi B. She's the ratchet girl that somehow got all that money that could have been one of y'all chicks. And, uh, you know, her cussing at you and spazzing out. To me, that's just who Cardi B is. I I think that's how she became a fan favorite. Uh, People see a person like Cardi B who's, you know, in this upper echelon, but she still carries herself like a hood rat. So her having all these millions of dollars coming on to uh, a a live space in X or formerly known as Twitter and using that to cuss out her fans, telling them to shut the fuck up uh, and how she's threatening to remove her social media. That's just the appeal of Cardi B, I guess. A lot of women find that type of uh, thing real. And uh, Cardi is real for... uh, some of the things she said but i will admit if that were anybody else it's career suicide uh so i would uh say to cardi i don't even know what i would say to cardi uh, cardi is one of those rappers where i just have no desire but if i were to ever meet her and she were to insinuate she'd want some dick i guess i'd have to dick her down not necessarily because i want to but because i'd have to get some good stories out of it uh but that's my feeling on uh cardi b speaking of that hey did y'all see that video of ti ti shared a video of his uh i thought it was ron jeremy at first but it turned out to be tiny so basically uh ti was doing a video on social media and uh 
for some reason, he turned her, the camera around and caught Tiny. She had no makeup on. And, uh, yeah, she reminded me of a mixture of Ron Jeremy and Smokey Robinson. Uh, it was pretty bad. And um, I don't. I don't know if that's the best way to go viral. Uh, you know, I don't know if T.I. did it on purpose and they were just trying to uh, bring some attention or if it was just an innocent moment uh, where he got caught up in the moment, flipped the phone on his wife. and But I got to say this. T.I., you knew niggas was going to talk, man. You knew niggas was going to talk. You can't. I don't know, like I said, I don't know if that was just on purpose to get us talking about them or if that was just some heat of the moment shit. Come on, man. You can't have your wife out there looking like that and putting her on camera. And don't worry, if you're watching this live, uh, when I chop this up, I'll, I'll, I'll edit in what I'm discussing. So if you haven't seen it yet, you'll you'll see it. Uh, you, you, I guess you got to be a little bit more conscious of you know, hey, what do I know? All I know is T.I. and Tiny have been through it, and they've been together longer than a lot of these other couples. You know what? I think that's the best way couples work. It's like somebody's got to be the pretty one, and somebody's got to be the not-so-pretty one. And I think those are the best relationships. I feel like relationships with two attractive people just... You know what I'm saying? Somebody's got to be the ugly one and be grateful and chase you and love you more than they love and then you love them. Excuse me. And I think those are the relationships that last because everybody's so pressed on 50-50 in relationships. And I don't know any successful relationship that was 50-50. You know, I look at my parents. Do you think that relationship was 50-50? No, I can tell you. No offense to my mom who's still here with us uh rest in peace to my pops but i can honestly say my dad did a majority of the work in the relationship yeah you know he did everything domestically my mom could do but he also cut the grass and fixed shit so i never looked at it as like a 50 50 relationship i always looked at it as my dad doing more of the work and for the record i carry that mentality if i'm in a relationship with anybody i am more than prepared to do more than 50 percent because i know that's the way we're going to last. There's just no way we're going to just split down evenly. I've never seen a relationship last that was 50-50. Somebody got to be 60. Somebody got to be 40. Somebody got to be 70. Somebody got to be 30, 80, 20. I mean, these relationships are like ground beef, y'all. They just have different ratios to them. Uh, I've never seen or heard of a couple going half and half and lasting. Somebody has to put forth extra effort in order for the relationship to work. Uh, so, fellas, if you're uh, listening, stop chasing the pretty chick. Uh, get you a nice average girl who's ready to work and be grateful for your presence. That's how I look at relationships. 50-50 never exists in a successful relationship. Somebody's got to get fucked over. That's how relationships work. Uh, and uh, let, me, let me cover one more topic. Okay. Shout out to everybody still tuning in. It is 1248. I've been doing this for uh, an hour and 11 minutes now. Um, this Remy uh, is keeping me up and moving. 
So I've shout out. Hey, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but I've been with the exception of last week when I was drinking and now I have been completely sober. Like for the past week. No weed. No shrooms. No anything. I have been sober. And I think I might I'm not gonna sit here and lie and act like I'm giving up weed or nothing, but I could see myself doing a severe cutback. I'm telling all my dealer friends in advance, you're not going to get the money from Dub that you uh, got last year. Because I'm feeling so clear-headed right now because uh, I'm drunk. And uh, my only fear about quitting weed, and I'm not quitting weed. I would never quit weed. Or if I did quit weed, I would never make an announcement about it. I'd never, hey, y'all, I'll start smoking. Nah, that's a, you'd just be like, hey, Dub, you want to hit this blunt? And I'd be like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, um, but I've been feeling a lot clear-headed, a lot more clear-headed, a lot more motivated. Uh, so I kind of want to carry that momentum and see how far it's going to take me. And I'm not sitting here saying I'm giving up weed. I'm just saying I'm going to be smoking a little bit less of it. Uh, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm already doing it. Do you realize it's been almost an hour an hour into the new year and i have not smoked weed and there's plenty of weed to smoke i just i'm in maryland you know uh recreational weed is legal here now and that's one of the main things i miss about my dad because if my dad was still here we'd be going to the dispensaries he'd be like yo i got this bad i got this brand and i'd be like well i got this brand and we just roll each other up joints and you know discuss weed uh, so I'm a little bit sad that he passed before the recreational thing happened in Maryland. So that sucks. But uh, I don't have a desire to go to the recreational spot and pick up nothing. With that being said, I most likely will before I leave and go back to NC. So, but yeah, you you're gonna see a lot less, a uh, lot less weed um, and stuff like that. My only fear about cutting back on weed i'm terrified that i might drink more so yeah if y'all see me getting a little bit too saucy you know say something because i damn sure have spent 42 years without any struggles with alcohol whatsoever and this is coming from a guy who smoked cigarettes for 13 years i started at 18 and i quit right before my 32nd birthday so I'm very much aware I have an addictive personality. I'm somebody who just smoked a couple cigarettes one week, and then I started buying my own packs, and that turned into 13 years worth of cigarettes. Uh, Alcoholism is a major, major disease on both sides of my family tree. Aunts, uncles, grandparents, uh, A lot of people on both sides of my family tree have had issues with alcohol abuse, which is why one of the main reasons why I've always, if anybody knows me, I'll have a beer, I'll have a second beer. I'm good. I got my nice little buzz going. I'm chill. Very rarely. I can guarantee you there's only a handful of people that have seen me sloppy drunk, sloppy drunk, (sighs) sloppy drunk. It's happened before, and it's been years, years since I was sloppy drunk. 
pissy drunk is uh, another term for it. So um, I'm going to be definitely measuring my alcohol intake throughout the year, making sure I keep control of it. I feel like I could control it because I'm controlling everything else. Weed intake, food intake, making sure I drink more water. So I'm being very conscious of that. I don't want to be a wino. So I'm going to be monitoring my alcohol intake. I need y'all to watch it. But with that being said, if you see me on the the, the podcast drinking, leave me the fuck alone. Mm. Tasty. I'm pretty much out of shit. There's one last topic I wanted to cover. Uh, it involves the rapper The Game. Um, there was some issue with The Game, uh, the rapper. Uh, he had a uh, issue with his house. Uh, I'm trying to find the uh, issue. Ah, So, yeah, here it is. Rapper The Game. Uh, he's been in the news. Uh, his S.A. accuser. Oh, I didn't know this was related to S.A. See, I should have did this topic right after Jermaine Jackson. So anyway, the game's S.A. accuser wins a case over the rapper's use of a shell company. Uh, what does that mean? I'm not too sure. Hold on. I think I'm going to burp. Uh, there you go. I ain't need nothing. All right, so basically the game's accuser has emerged victorious in a new lawsuit uh, who's saying um, he's running the risk of losing $7 million uh, in assets in a judgment against her. So basically what happened, this woman went to court uh, earlier this month to claim that a game transferred his assets, including his home, to uh, WAC 100 in the form of a shell company to avoid paying her what she wanted in a judgment. So, background, um, this woman sued the game in regards to a SA case uh, a few years ago. Uh, and uh, basically the game was supposed to go to court and uh, fight the charges that she put on him. But get this, the game never showed up to court. So she automatically won the judgment of $7 million. And that's why the game is on the hook for paying her $7 million because she put out a lawsuit against him and the game never showed up to defend himself. So the judgment was already uh, ruled in her favor. So after that, uh, this new lawsuit is emerging saying that uh, he's not paying her the money that she's owed in that judgment because... He's transferring his assets to WAC 100 in a fake company to avoid paying her that money she won in that judgment. Yeah. You know, I'll say this about the game. Okay, well, well, first, let me give background. Uh, so she filed this sexual assault case in August 2015, seeking $10 million, claiming the game SA'd her uh during what she thought was a required after hours date while taping she got game so she's claiming the game got her drunk and high and forced his hand inside her dress uh so she was awarded seven million in comp compensatory and punitive damages and the game publicly vowed to never pay rainy one cent of what he owes um 
That's a massive L for the game. He's on that Tasha K shit. Uh, the game is a paradox to me because he's one of those rappers whose music I absolutely love. But I've always found him as a weirdo as a person. And generally, it's never been that much of a paradox with me for rappers. Uh, you know, rappers to me, if I like their music, I can learn to like their personality. I've never had a rapper who, uh, you know, whose music I really, really liked, but I didn't like them. And then the game came through and uh, boom, there he is. He's the first rapper whose music I really, really enjoy, but I think he's a clown. Um. I don't know what to really say about this because the game keeps fucking up. You know, uh, you were supposed to go to court to defend yourself. You didn't. Uh, you were supposed to pay her the money. You didn't. And you claimed publicly that you weren't going to pay her. And now you're doing this. Um, if you make a claim publicly... Excuse me. If you make a claim publicly that you're not going to pay somebody who won something from you in a lawsuit, then this is what happens. Another lawsuit follows up and you can't be out here and be messy like the game is. So uh, you got to learn the A, you got to learn to handle your business. For, well, first and foremost, you've got to learn to not S.A. chicks. Do I believe the game did this? Yes. I swear, if it were any other rapper, I'd be like, uh, this is a cash grab, but it's the game. I, do I think he did it? Possibly. He's the game. Um, the game lied. He posted a picture of a little girl on his social media one time and said it was his daughter, but it turned out it was one of his homies' daughters. And I, ever since then, that happened years ago. I was like, that's some super lame shit. Um. But with that being said, uh, I, I just don't know. Uh, I think he's guilty of what he did. Uh, adding the fact that he proclaimed publicly he wasn't going to pay her. And he just keeps digging deeper, deeper, and deeper into that sand. And there's really not much you can do to, to help a guy like that. Because he does it to himself. And no matter what you do for him, no matter how hard... You fight for him or defend him. He's going to be back in the news doing some more crazy shit. Okay, y'all. It is 1 a.m. January 1st, 2024. We are in the new year. Uh, I don't have too much else to talk about. I've done a good hour, 22 minutes. Uh, we had those technical difficulties in the, bit, in, in the beginning. But if you're still here, then God damn it, you're still here. Uh, tomorrow, I will be celebrating New Year's Day, and I will be cooking all day. I'm bringing it in with the Black Hot Peas. I'm doing gumbo, uh, cornbread, and I got a dessert popping in the fridge right now. I just want to let everybody know that because y'all aren't allowed to come over here and eat this. This is exclusively for just intermediate family, uh, sister niece nephew mom we're not turning this into a big event but i will be sharing pictures uh no i won't let me stop lying you know, the fuck you want to see my gumbo for you want to judge me harshly uh we'll figure it out but anyway it's 1 a.m right now um i think 
it would be to my uh, best interest to get a game or two in of 2K before I go to sleep. So that's what I'm going to do. Oh, and also, I, I made a Facebook post about this, and I, I really think I wanted to share it with everybody else. Uh, just maybe putting this bug in your head due to the technology we have available. So what I did um, this week, I went uh, in my parents' basement. I went digging through all the photo books I could find. Uh, I, I found every photo album I could find. I'm talking pictures my family has had since the, uh, just pictures of my parents have personally had since about the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, all the way up until I want to say about 2006, 7, 8. You know, that's when my parents got hip to camera phones and started using their camera phones to uh, take photos. But prior to that, film cameras, fun savers, all that shit. There's about 120 years of uh, photo books in my family. Shit, my great-grandmother had that she passed down to my grandmother, and my grandmother passed it to my mom. And on my dad's side, my great-grandmother had photo books. She passed down to my grandma, passed down to my father. Basically, I found over 120 years of family photos that uh, have been in my family for years. So I gathered every photo book I could, and I'm in the process right now of digitizing all of, of the family uh, photos. Uh, I went out and got this expensive-ass scanner from Epson, and if Epson actually paid me money, I would promote the fuck out this scanner. This scanner has been fucking amazing in digitizing these photos. It takes at least one to two seconds per photo to scan it and uh, bring it into my computer. So I was expecting this to be a very long, drawn-out, year-long process, but so far, after just two days, I've pretty much gone through about one-fourth of the archive. And the reason I bring this up is I do feel, especially black families, uh, we have photo albums for your ass. Uh, those photos are memories uh, of family members, friends, and those memories aren't just relegated to you and yours. Uh, I know uh, my grandmother had uh, tons and tons of photo books, and after she passed away, other relatives came in and took those photo albums, and then those relatives passed away. And now those memories, we don't even know where those fucking books are. And there's tons and tons of photos of my family in the 40s, 50s. Uh, you know, my grandmother took photos in the 30s and 40s of family and relatives. And, of course, we had our great-grandparents who were taking photos in the early 1910s and 20s. I have uh, lots of photos of my ancestors from the early 1900s and the late 1800s. I've been able to... Uh, track uh both sides of my family tree all the way to the early 1800s and for the record i am fba foundational black american both sides of my family tree uh descended from slavery and uh even um the mexican side of my family has been in america since the 1800s texas arizona new mexico cali so, yeah, it's FBA over here, but that's beside the point. One of the things, um, reason I'm saying this is because there's a lot of memories in these photo books, and there's a lot of relatives in these photo books. And uh, 
I don't want to have a monopoly on these memories. You know what I'm saying? Because these photo books are in the possession of my parents. And uh, when and there's a lot of family members in these photos who probably never even seen these photos. I don't want to have a monopoly on all these memories. So I'm in the process of scanning all these photos and digitizing them into an archive. And once uh, I get everything organized with the proper dates and everything, I was going to just upload it to maybe a Google Drive and share it with my relatives, let them download the archive of all the pictures my family has so we don't have a monopoly on these memories. Uh, I think that's very important for people, especially now because we have the technology to do this. I don't think this is a task I could have done 20 years ago with the scanners we have then, with the flatbed ones where you put it on and it got to go up and down and it takes like two, three minutes per picture. Uh, I have a pretty fast scanner that I paid a lot of money for that just goes, you load the pictures in and it goes through them and it digitizes them. So uh, just something I wanted to put out there for y'all. Uh, if you have a lot of photos, family photos and shit like that, eventually the, the physical copies will degrade. Somebody will take them, they'll die, and then the, the photo album will be all those photos uh, will be lost. So I, I'm a very big proponent in digitalizing your family memories, making sure that they last for years to come. And uh, with that being said, uh, happy 2024. Y'all don't do stupid shit. And dub is out. Peace.